Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I wanted to welcome you all to another installment of Moments with Moa. Moments with Moa. Welcome to Moa's Ark, where you know that God dwells, Jesus reigns, the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. And you all know that my sole purpose for doing these podcasts is to help you to make a difference, to make a difference in your life and the lives of those who come along your path so that you may be your happiest, your wisest, and your most loving self. Amen. That's what it's all about. To draw you and drive you closer to Christ by demonstration of of tangible uh, and tactical uh, tools and techniques to help you in your everyday living. That's what it's all about. That's what I'm here for today. But I wanted to talk to you all about a topic that I think is beneficial uh, to everyone, and that is drama. We're going to talk about drama. those toxic behaviors that we need to stop immediately. This is another one. We need to just stop with the drama. Stop with the drama. This is 2020. Most of us are are mature and we're aged and, you know, we've reared our children. We're raising children, whatever stage and life life that you're in, uh, you can benefit from this conversation because it's time for us to stop the drama. Many of you thrive off of drama. You get invigorated through drama. But in 2020, I want you to commit with me that we are going to stop the drama. All right. So let's be clear about what drama is. What is drama? What is drama? Because Drama may mean one thing to one and something else to another. I'm not talking about, you know, um, you know, excitement or, you know, adventure or things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about a made for TV movie either. I'm talking about drama, those things that cause discord and stress and unnecessary um, conflict in our lives. So let's look at a few definitions. I I looked this up on the Urban Dictionary. You all know that Urban Dictionary is something else. And sometimes I just look up words just so that I can get a good little laugh, you know. But anyway, this is what they say about drama. They say drama is a way of relating to the world in which a person consistently overreacts to or greatly exaggerates the importance of benign events. <laughs> All right. It also says that typically drama is used by people who are chronically bored or who seek attention. Some of y'all need to get something to do. Read a book. All right. Uh, people who engage in drama will usually attempt to drag an, to drag other people into their dramatic state as a way of gaining attention or making their own lives more exciting. Look, if you want excitement, go get some adventure. Go jump off of a roof or something. You know how they be doing that bungee jumping. Jump jump off of a, a cliff in a safe way. Get you some good excitement. But this drama... <clears throat> 
is not what you need because it affects your mental, your physical, your emotional, your spiritual health. And it's time for us to get over it. All right. It goes on to say common warning signs and risk factors of drama or a dramatic person are, and it says, number one, having one supposedly serious problem after another. (laughs) Number two, constantly telling other people about one's problems. Y'all gossipers out there. All right. It says, number three, extreme emotionality or frequently shifting intense emotions. That means, you know, y'all just overly hypersensitive, always shifting emotions. You go from one extreme to another. Number four, it says claiming to be, claiming to have experienced negative events that are highly implausible. All right. So (laughs) y'all so dramatic. You act like that little molehill that you're making a mountain out of was just such a a huge negative event and it's highly unlikely that that is what uh actually occurred number five a boring job or mundane life number six making claims without sufficient evidence or lack of detail about supposedly serious events um I do an exercise with my clients where, uh, you know, we talk about some of these um, uh, negative, toxic thoughts that we have, you know, and some of the conditions around that. And sometimes, you know, we be, um, as, as people, we'll actually make up stuff in our heads and it becomes our reality and it becomes a pattern for us, but we don't have any evidence or any true details. It's just, you know, a feeling that we have and and some type of false uh, reality that we've come up with in our minds. Okay. Uh, Number seven, and I believe this is the last one, a pattern of irrational behavior or reactions to everyday problems. I'm sorry, a pattern of irrational behavior and reactions to everyday problems. And then they go on to give you some examples. And I'm going to read these because they kind of tickled me a little bit when I first started reading them. When I read them the first time, it says, Sarah had a slight fever and a mild cough. She decided to use drama in order to receive sympathy and attention So she told everyone that she was definitely ill. You know, some of y'all out there always claiming that you sick. This is, this is happening. That's happening. So you can get some drama, you know, stir up some drama, you know, in your lives. Unnecessary. We're moving on. We're elevating above and beyond that in 2020. Okay. All right, here's the other one. Deborah lost her keys, then spent four hours crying and yelling at her husband. Now, sometimes I may lose some stuff and I'm going to be yelling and, and, and going on with everybody in the house. So that's drama. That's drama. Cut it out. Mary did not answer her cell phone for an hour, so John feared that she had died in a horrible car accident. Now, that's me. I tell my kids all the time. <laughs> when I'm calling y'all, at least just pick up the phone or text me and say, mama, I'm okay. 
Because sometimes this old mind of mine is, is a made-for-TV movie. Sometimes when it, when it deals with my children. And then the last one that they have is someone stole Steve's can of Coke from the break room <laughs> fridge. Uh, now he believes that someone at work is trying to destroy him. Trying to destroy him. Um, so these are just some examples. And um, I started on the 9th of January. I started a 21-day fast. And I was telling my children that I wanted to, uh, simultaneously, I wanted to do a 21-day brain detox. And this is um, a technique that I learned from Dr. Caroline Lee. Uh, She is actually a scientist who uh, specializes in uh, our brain. She specializes in the brain uh, and in the mind. And so she came up with this five-step technique over a 21-day period that helps you to uh, eliminate the negative thoughts in your mind and uh, then to uh, replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And one of the thought patterns that I have that is extremely toxic is fear and worry, fear and worries. You know, sometimes I I just, I, I get so fearful and so worried when my children are out of my sight. I'm telling you, I go from one extreme to another. If I don't hear from them, I told them uh, sometime back, I said, look, The first time I have the thought, (laughs) y'all might be okay. The second time, it kind of becomes a little bit more of my reality. By the third time I've had that thought, it becomes the reality and I begin to act and respond accordingly. And it takes me a while to kind of shake myself, even if I know that it's not true. So for instance, if if, if they're out and about and I really don't like my babies going to clubs, I don't like them going to, you know, a lot of worldly secular places because so much is going on in this world and people are so evil. But when I know that they're out and about, and I call them, the first time I call you, the thought is something happened. (laughs) Something happened. And the second time I call you, you know, then now, and you're not responding, now I'm worried. Now I'm worried that I see the gunman and everything. I see somebody stepping on somebody's shoes, a fight done broke out, and they done started shooting up the place. You know, by the third time, I see you laid out on a gurney on your way to the hospital. And at that point, not only is my heart racing and my stomach aching, I'm ready to get up and put my clothes on and come find you, you know. So that is something that over this 21 days, I am believing God. I am trusting God to bring forth full deliverance because it is impossible to please him without faith. And I'm just being transparent here. It is impossible. And when we are worrying, we don't have faith. We don't have faith in his sovereignty. We don't have faith in his all-knowing, okay? And and <clears throat> and in his, I'm sorry about the, uh, <clears throat> the hacking a little bit, but I'm still dealing with this cough, uh, trying to get better. So y'all just bear with me. But, you know, it is it, when we exhibit those behaviors, it is indicative of an area of disbelief. 
you know, we're not, we're, we're, we don't have faith. So I conjure up all this drama and I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm going down this path, but I know, you know, sometimes when, you know, the kids, because I, I, you know, I, I sympathize with them because sometimes I know it gets overbearing, you know, and sometimes they'll just not respond, you know, because, and I know they see my text messages on my calls, but they'll say they didn't, but they'll not respond and see with me, I'll go down and get the daddy, you know, or go up and get the daddy or, or reach over and get the daddy, you know, and say, look, I ain't heard from this one, you know, and I know if he call them, they going to pick up. <laughs> <laughs> so I create that little bit of drama myself, you know, but I'm getting better. So we're going to talk about drama. We're going to talk about drama and how we need to get it out of our lives. Who was that? Uh, Mary J. Blige. We want to, um, we want to, to incorporate that no more drama in our lives because it will extend your days. It will extend your days. A lot of us suffer from a lot of cognitive distortions. We be making stuff up in our head. We be making a lot of this mess up, uh, but it, it is really not reality. So we're going to cut it out, but uh, we're going to talk about it. We definitely are going to talk about it today. All right. Amen. Love you. Let's get to it. All right. So first and foremost, we just need to stop all together participating in drama. Rather, you're the one who is initiating it whether you're passively participating in it or, you know, you're just surrounding yourself with it. You just need to stop the drama. Stop the drama because here's the reality. It can only exist if there are people who are willing to participate in it. If you starve drama, if you, if you uh, uh, resist <laughs> the devil, he'll flee. If you don't participate in it, it'll go away. It'll go away. Sometimes many of you all who are dealing with drama all the time in your life is because you are an active participant, especially y'all gossipers. You know, the Bible got a lot to say about the gossiper, you know. But a lot of times when you... Uh, continue to welcome that into your life, you get what you ask for. But when you starve drama of your energy and your attention, it will fade away into oblivion. I promise you. But if you keep on giving your reaction and giving that situation great importance and, 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 and just fueling it and and continuing to play with it, it's going to be detrimental to your life. Some of us got hypertension. We got high blood pressure. I would even venture to say at the root of so many of our diseases, cancer, you know, um, different types of blood diseases. It comes from us dealing with a lot of drama which in essence causes us stress 
You just got to get out of it, even if it's in your own family. Don't participate in drama. One of the things about me, I like my peace. I love my peace. And I used to always tell people, I'm the drama maker in my family. (laughs) I, I, I creates the drama. Nobody creates drama. So I've been very protective of my family over the years of those that I know just bring a whole bunch of drama. You keep that on over there. Because, you know, I conditioned these folks over here. They can only deal with my drama. And I'm working on me. <laughs> I'm just joking. You know. But you, you, seriously, you have to make a conscious choice to not pour fuel on the fire when you are exposed to drama. You know, you got to be calm and keep your composure and let that drama, you know, uh simmer on and become a thing of your past and not a part of your present or your reality. Now, I want to share this with you all. This is something that I share with uh, my clients. And I believe that uh, what's rooted at a lot of the drama that we deal with is a lot of the cognitive distortions that we have, the realities that we create in our minds, and what allows drama to continue to fester and to continue to become, uh, you know, dysfunctional and toxic in our lives is that we don't have transparent, you know, honest conversations. We, we, We don't like to deal with conflict and solving of problems. We just don't want to solve problems. The the polar opposite of drama is solutioning, creating a solution to a problem. But we get so caught up in drama, for instance, if we're dealing with a conflict with somebody, we'll go gossip about them with somebody else and continue to let that thing simmer and and and, and fester on Instead of going directly to that individual and saying, look, you know, this is how I feel about this situation. You know, here are my boundaries. Here is a way that I feel that we can move on in a healthy fashion. We don't do stuff like that. Now, I'm going to tell you something about my family. We were raised, um, we, my, my family is very affectionate. They're very loving people. We love super hard. We love uber, uber hard. And when we were growing up, I used to always think that my mom was more sensitive or more emotional than my dad because my mom had a softer, um, she engaged with us in, in, in a softer way. My dad was more rugged. He was more rough, you know, more rigid. Uh, but as I grew older, I understood that my dad actually was more emotional than my mom, you know, he was more emotional. So with our family, we had the experience of both of our parents pouring into us. And again, like I said, very, very loving people. So they created us to be, you know, loving, compassionate, empathetic people. You know, we're, we're, we're that on so many levels and maybe not on others, but you know, it's just the way that we are. It's, it's the nature, and I would even venture to say the culture of our family. And I'm talking about the Courtney household, the Courtney set. So 
we all have these different personality traits that are uh, unique to our tribe or our unit. But one of the things that we're not is we're not very good at expressing our emotions, you know, because it's viewed as a weakness in so many ways. And, And I may have some siblings who you know, maybe listening to this podcast and they may agree or disagree, but it has been my experience that we're not the type of people that we are, you know, just good at expressing our emotions, especially when it's something that really, really bothers us or really hurts us, you know, because it's, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a, it's a silent rule, you know, you don't never let them see you sweat, you know, and, and things like that. So, Sometimes we may harbor, you know, emotions or resentment that could easily be uh, taken care of if we just went to the individual and allowed ourselves to be a little bit vulnerable and say, look, this is how, you know, that situation made me feel. And in essence, it is, it is, um, I don't want to say destroying, but it is causing discord in our relationship. And I don't want that. I want to fix it. You know, we may not know the answer to fixing it, but half the battle, half the solution is just communicating, just talking. That will eliminate all of the drama that surrounds it, that surrounds all of that. Now, of my siblings, I can tell you, it's certain ones of us who are more drama prone than others. And I'm probably the leader of the pack on the drama prone side. (laughs) My dad used to, uh, when I was younger, he used to tell me I was a good actress, you know, because, ooh, don't let me get a whooping because I'm going to be the one that, ooh, I'm going to put on a show. I'm going to put on a show. And, And my emotions have always been extremely sensitive, you know, as God helped me to journey to a more mature state, you know, but prior to that, just very sensitive, you know, you you couldn't do much of nothing. So it's always some drama, always some drama surrounding, you know, something that, um, you know, that I'm engaged in or involved in. And, you know, some of us are more like that other ones. You know, I got some siblings that, (laughs) <laughs> don't nothing bother them. I don't care what it is. They just, look, anti-drama. Don't pour me into that. I ain't getting involved in it. I don't want to be in a drama. And even sometimes I found myself getting, you know, caught up in other folks' drama just because I'm trying to help. And by the time they finish with their little drama episode, <laughs> they they mad at me, you know. So I had to learn these things that we're talking about today to uh, eliminate the drama in my own life by pursuing the path of peace at all costs and all times. That even means some folk, I just literally had to just cut them off. Now, is it a, a, a permanent cutoff? I don't know because I'm still on this side of heaven. Uh, But at least temporarily, you know, people who continuously uh, cause toxicity, you know, in in my life, I just had to, sorry, because my peace means so much more to me. And and peace hits you a different way when you get to the point where you are threatening, you know, um, 
diabetes or, you know, hypertension, high blood pressure, you know, you're, you're threatening poor health, baby. You'll look at drama a totally different way. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you all about these cognitive distortions because I am of the belief that our actions, uh, there, there is a process or a, 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 a method to how we act, how we respond. And it all begins in our minds. It all begins with our thoughts. And I'm of the belief that while we cannot control the thoughts that come into our head, we can definitely manage them. Okay? So for instance, if you're uh, um if you allow certain things into your gates, you know, you, you may be sitting around and you may have a thought. Um, for instance, some folks like watching this IDTV all the time, you know, First 48 and stuff like that, which I ain't knocking it because I'm one I watch it myself when there's nothing else on. But sometimes you let that stuff get into your eye gates and your ear gates. And next thing you know, you're sitting up and you're having you know, um, murderous and, and uh, uh, homicidal thoughts and things like that, just, just out of the blue, because you don't let that stuff get into your gates. You know, uh, uh, other uh, example is sometimes we watch stuff we ain't got no business watching. I went to the movies last night with my husband and my sister and her husband, and um, we went to go see the movie Uncut. And they had some inappropriate scenes in that in that movie. And a lot of times when I get to those movies, I don't know, you know, what's going to come up. But I'll go, you know, because my husband likes the companionship, which he didn't like this movie. This wasn't his pick. But anyway, when I get to that point, I shut my eyes and close my ears because I don't want that mess in my gates and be sitting up thinking about sexual stuff, you know, getting all in my head. But the point that I was making is that you cannot control the thoughts that come into your head, but you can manage them. So the process is the thought comes in and that thought is met by an emotion a, a, a response to the thought um, uh, as you decipher or you um, try to, in your mind, understand the thought. As that thought processes through your mind, that now is met by your emotions. And your emotions will, in essence, uh, determine or derive the action that you'll take as a result. So that's why it's so important that we learn how to manage our thoughts and mature in our emotions. I told you all in an earlier podcast, you know, as Christians especially, we try to dismiss our emotions because we feel like we ought not be having a certain emotion because that's not Christ-like. But I believe that every emotion that God gives us is a gift and it is a tool that if we learn how to use it will be the most crucial and beneficial tool in our lives because emotions should should help us and guide us kind of like a GPS system for what action needs to be taken. 
So anyway, I wanted to talk about these cognitive distortions that will intercept your thoughts and create congruent emotions that will in essence dictate what behaviors or actions you'll take, okay? So the first cognitive distortion is black or white thinking, all right? So that's extreme thinking that often leads to extreme emotions or behaviors. When things are either black or white, we're either perfect or we're complete failures and there's no middle ground. So when you're exhibiting that black or white thinking, you know, it's like, hey, this thought came into my mind that if I am not uh, affluent in my neighborhood, in my church, then that means that I'm a complete failure as a human being. That means that my family is, is, is lower and less than everybody else. That's black or white thinking. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. That type of cognitive distortion is very toxic. Now, here's the thing, because I'm going to teach you all a technique that I want you to use as you move forward to help you to eliminate the drama in your lives. But I want to give you this one disclaimer. That with many of these distortions... The reality is, is that although it is a, um, it's, it's a conscious and cognitive distorted way of processing those thoughts, it doesn't mean that it's not reality or it's not realistic, right? So for instance, one of them is, you know, uh, jump into conclusions, you know. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, as an intelligent person, you shouldn't just jump to conclusions. But sometimes we know those of us who, who discern, who God has given a gift of discernment, sometimes the conclusion you were going to jump to was right from the beginning. Doesn't mean that it's wrong, but it means that you need to learn a different way to process the information that your mind is giving you, your emotions is building from so that your actions will fit the right solution for the situation, okay? All right, so let's talk about the next distortion, and that is filtering. Filtering. And that's when we're anxious, we commonly uh, develop tunnel vision, where we focus solely on the negative aspects of a situation without considering the positive aspects, all right? So the whole picture can be colored by one single negative detail, by one single negative detail. And so that to me is more in line with if, if let's say, going back to the movies yesterday, we went to the movies. The place was beautiful. I would recommend it. I can't think of the name of it, but it's out in Liberty Township. It's Center uh, Center something. Um, and I'm going to get the name of that because I, I really want you all to experience that place because <clears throat> it was phenomenal. Uh, you get there. They call you in for your meal. 
and you get to order your meal while you're sitting there. I mean, I just loved it. Uh, to me, it's a it's a uh, upscale, you know, place, and I can't believe I can't find the name of this of this place. It was center something sin. All right. Oh, I N E. Oh, well. I guess I ain't gonna find it today. But anyway, if I find it, I'll recommend it. But we went there yesterday, and I went there with the intention of uh, watching this movie, and I thought that I was gonna, you know, have a good time uh, watching the movie. But we got there, and the whole movie. The plot, to me, it was just trash. I, 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 there were some parts that I liked, but when he got to the point where he was cheating on his wife and had a girlfriend and and had the nerve, I ain't gonna tell all the story, but I just got to get this out. <laughs> he had the nerve to take his family to the apartment he had his mistress in, and then turn around and um you know, going there to see if she had left because they got into it and, and and she threatened to leave the apartment or something like that. He gonna take his whole wife and all his kids. But anyway, a part of filtering would be <laughs> if I just threw the whole night away <laughs> because of that one trash moment, you know, just filtering through, just seeing through that tunnel vision. That's all I see is that one little incident where uh, in all actuality and reality, the entire night was just beautiful. From the time my husband took me up there, you know, uh, we we tried to find parking and everything, and, and he didn't want me to walk, so he dropped me off at the front. You know, we went in and went to um, the area where you sit in the waiting area to wait for your movie, and he and I had a good conversation and just rekindled some stuff and laughed at each other and all of that. You know, it was a beautiful night. But had I just used that filtering, that that distortion, it would have messed up the whole night. Okay, the next one is disqualifying the positive. All right, so this involves uh, processing information in a biased way. It's a mental process that changes a positive event into a neutral or negative event in your mind. All right, so you you just gonna completely disqualify all of the positive aspects of the situation and and just process it, you know, through a negative. All right, so the next one, talked about this a few seconds ago, jumping to conclusions, all right? So that's when you make a negative interpretation or prediction, even when there is no real evidence supporting your conclusion, all right? So this sort of thing is often based on what we think other people feel about us. So as it relates to drama, a lot of times we just jump to conclusions. You know, one of the things that bothered me so much in my church experience was that, you know, and I talked about discernment, you know, and and some of us, we got some good discernment because we are functioning in our gifts. God gave us a gift. But some of that discernment is, uh, is, 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 is bewitching. 
Uh, what did they used to do when they used to try to uh, put, you know, the witch hunt? You know, a lot of times we get so cliquish and we get to the point where we think that different personalities, different people, we have all of these microaggressions towards people and, and biases that we have, and we conclude that they're one thing versus another, and we don't take the time to get to know them. We do that so much in a church. We just completely jump to a conclusion about a situation or how somebody feel about us or how we feel about somebody else with no true substance to it. Like I said, sometimes the conclusion you come to might be the one you started out with (laughs) with more evidence. But nonetheless, this is one that if we learn how to uh, use it, leverage it in the right way, It'll become a tool that can aid us in eliminating drama in our lives. And one of the ways to combat that is ask questions. Allow yourself to get into that vulnerable state to just, you know, don't assume you know how somebody feel about you. Ask them. Ask them. All right, the next one, emotional reasoning. And this is when a person believes that what they feel must automatically be true. Depending heavily on our feelings as a guide very quickly leads us away from the path of reality. Now, I told you our emotions and our feelings is most definitely a tool that we can use, but it is not an effective tool until we get to a place of maturity in our emotions that we'll be able to use them. Now, the emotion of anger. Sometimes anger in a mature state can prompt and promote needed action to be taken. For instance, (laughs) and I know y'all ain't going to agree with this, but we have a president right now. And if you all are listening to this, this is 2020, so I'm talking about Trump who has very immature emotions. Now, this is just my opinion. Based on what I've observed with him and how he's reacted, he reacts. He doesn't respond. He reacts. So his anger, a lot of times, prompts him to do immature things. Like he'll tweet, uh, you know, derogatory things and insults to people. And I mean, high-level dignitaries and, you know, stuff like that. But he also recently allowed his anger to push us into a place where we are threatening um, a war with Iran. And so much is going on. And, and I, was, I was on the fence when I first heard about it. Of course, I don't want to see us going into war. And a few months ago, my, my, my spirit was just grieved because the Lord just put so heavily on my heart, you know, how many wars we had been in. And, and you know, I just began to pray and intercede for us, for our country. But anyway, his emotional reasoning, because he felt angry, he felt a certain way caused him to act 
in a way that, that was detrimental to the country as a whole. Okay? And while I, I still feel that there are some political um, innuendos behind that, the reason that he's doing it, but his emotions, he, he was quick uh, to respond and heavy-handed in his response, and I believe that it was all uh, uh, based on his emotional reasoning, because I feel this way, it must be true, because I feel uh, that this this high-ranking general in Iran is a threat, then it must be true. And he still has not given the evidence that he said, you know, for whatever they were planning against the United States. But that's neither here nor there. The reality is that his emotional reasoning drove him to an action that he wasn't really able to think critically through his decision. He just reacted. All right. So the other one is rigid rule keeping. So that's when you have a list of rules about how you or other people should behave. Those who break the rules make us angry. And if you break the rules, you feel guilty as a result. Now, we do that a lot in religion. You know, we we do that a lot in our religious beliefs. We feel like if you're not doing certain things, then you're not a, a child of God. You know, God, you're not in good standings with God. And we should have learned with um, Job, you know, that you can't, you can't always um, determine based on what you see where a person is with Christ, okay? And I'm one that I, I love religion. I love religion. People are always saying, well, I, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. Well, I'm spiritual and religious because I believe that while religion is man-made and it is fallible, God gave it to us and he allowed us to have it as an instrument to draw us closer to him. Religion is simply, you know, um, you know, just the container by which we uh, format our beliefs, okay? So religion in and of itself is not bad. It's not bad. But when you start to use it to condemn others, that's when it comes becomes bad when you use it for your own agendas when you uh misinterpret the word of god and you know things like that so anyway all right the next one is catastrophizing catastrophizing and that means taking a fairly minor negative event and blowing it completely out of proportion imagining all sorts of disasters resulting from one small event. And I talked on this a little bit. I will catastrophize my kids out. (laughs) And I get on their nerves doing it, but I'll take a small little event and I'm just, oh my God, the world is over. You know, I ain't heard from my baby, especially that Mary. Boy, I tell you. Well, I ain't gonna say especially Mary, because Sierra, when she gets the globe 
uh, trot in this world and I don't hear from her. I don't hear that her, her plane unlanded. You know, I don't hear, I get real worried and that Brie, oh my goodness. When she get out there and them streets and, you know, have my little grandbaby, I'm just so worried. And, and with Derek, you know, especially with him being a black man, if I don't hear from him two, three days, you know, I'm worried. I'm like, oh my God, you know, cause I don't want to see nothing happen to him. And <laughs> Lord behold, them, them, younger two, my two youngest boys, uh-uh, and I got to know at all times, so I'm working on that in this 21 days, and let's see if I get better, <laughs> but catastrophizing, and I do that a lot, it's even with my husband, it gets on his everlasting nerves, but if we learn how to identify these things, if we learn that these are distortions, these are, so the thought comes into our mind, we filter those thoughts through these distortions that I've mentioned, and then we attach a, a, a congruent emotion, an emotion that is tied to these cognitive thoughts, and then we turn around and act on them. But we've got to learn how to function differently so that we can eliminate the drama. Because a lot of times, as we're filtering through these uh, different distortions, that's what's causing all of the drama in our lives. If we could just really think critically through these things, you know, going back to the black and white thinking, knowing that there may be a middle ground. It may be some gray area. It doesn't have to be black or white. I'm telling you, you will cut down that drama at least 40%. If you start to be more open-minded, start to be more open-minded, stop using tunnel vision, stop just seeing it through that little bitty crack that you allow your mind to see. Expand and explore, see the bigger picture, okay? The next one is overgeneralizing. Based on one instance in the past or present, you make the assumption that the future, uh, that in the future, all others will follow a similar pattern. A sense of helplessness often accompanies such overgeneralizations. I just recently went through something and, you know, I told y'all I'm in this transition state. I, I, I'm very vulnerable now, you know, and, and I'm very careful about who I'm allowing in my inner circle within proximity because I know that when I'm going through a transition, the enemy, I'm telling, he comes so hard and he comes to destroy. He he going to skip over um, stealing. <laughs> he just want to destroy and kill. He just coming to, to wreak havoc. So I have to be very careful about who I allow to be close to me during this uh, season because he will use whomever he can, especially if you're not, you know, walking upright and and living holy because that's where the Holy Spirit can, can really speak to us. It gets our attention because it's not a bunch of clutter there. But anyway, (coughs) I'm very careful. So I become very vulnerable when I'm in this state. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm raw. I'm just open, you know, because God is, is pouring in and, and, and he has to take, he got to strip me of everything. And when he's stripping me, 
then, I mean, I, everything just rises to the surface. My emotions, my, you know, my, my psyche, my, my, my intellect, everything just rises and, and he does what he has to do. But anyway, I had a, a situation after my contract had ended and during the um, uh, uh, holiday period where, you know, a lot of the hiring managers had gone on vacation and things like that. So I had an opportunity that was presented to me and I just thought, I said, hey, I'm going to get this job. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm going to get this job. And so when I... Uh, when I was told about who the client would be instantly in my head, I said, "Uh uh-uh, I've been submitted to this place. I've interviewed with them. I know that they don't want me because this is something that happened in the past. I done been blackballed. I know some folk from my past that went there, you know, and and they didn't like me. So I already know it ain't, it just ain't going to happen. And lo and behold, see, I was overgeneralizing, but lo and behold, I got the interview. <laughs> I got the interview. And I, I knew the last time that I interviewed with them, it was such a good interview. And after, you know, they didn't want me, I just assumed, I said, okay, all these folks done badmouthed me and messed up my reputation. So, so be it. You know, I'll go on to the next. I interviewed with the same hiring manager, with the same hiring manager. So I said, I'm going to put to practice the same techniques that I give my clients. I'm going to put it to practice for myself. And so we're interviewing and we were having such a good conversation. And she said, it's something about you. She said, I remember you. I remember interviewing you. She said, it's something you know, about you and blah, 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 blah. And I, I said, okay, the gig is up. The, the jig is up. Let me let her know who I am. And so I told her, I said, yes, I interviewed with you all, you know, um, several years back. And I just was left dumbfounded because I thought that it was a great interview, but I didn't get the job and I didn't get the call back. And I was just so, you know, I was a little disappointed and I was letting her know I was I was somewhat disappointed. I was being very transparent and, and so we went on, we started talking a little bit more about my experiences and things like that. And I said, well, do you mind, you know, if I just ask you a question, I, I just got to know. I, I really need to know why did you guys, you know, overlook me and go with someone else? Because I felt like I was, I was a great fit for your team, especially because if I remember correctly, she and I, meaning the hiring manager, our backgrounds were very similar in that she didn't come through the traditional IT, uh, you know, uh, path. You know, she was functional like me. So I felt like we had a connection. So anyway, um, she told me, she told me flat out. She said, I, I remember you now. I remember she said, the reason we decided not to go with you was because you had another business venture that you were pursuing, and we did not think that you would have the time to dedicate to, you know, just the high volume of work that we had for our team. And I said, look at God, because after 
years. I mean, I, I can't remember if this was in 2015 or 2016, but after years of um, not getting that, it, it always was in the back of my mind. As a matter of fact, I probably accused a couple of folks to their face. <laughs> like, what did you tell them? <laughs> but anyway, uh, she shared that with me. And, you know, I, I told her, I said, well, it was a good decision at that time because following that, uh, you know, not getting that opportunity, another door had been opened for me. And I had actually acquired uh, a, a firm, un, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a, a client under my firm. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big contract, but it was a, um, it was a nice little, you know, uh, transition, you know, for me and I, and I had started working for an African-American company, uh, couple rather African-American couple who had a small to mid-sized business and they were multi-millionaires, you know, had taken their company from the eighties telecommunications and built it into what it was. And it was such an honor for me to work underneath them uh, at that time, and they had actually brought me in to build out their PMO and to, you know, to run some projects. And eventually, <laughs> they, they loved me and they wanted to hire me. Probably the worst mistake in my career because I went on to that job and I, you know, I took such a severe, I mean, a heavy pay cut. I think it could have been like 20, 30% off of what I was regularly making. You know, and I was, I was, um, I ain't even gonna get into all of that. But anyway, it was a bad choice for me, but it was a great experience in that it, it exposed me to more of that technical infrastructure world, more of the telecommunications and, you know, con- um, construction and stuff like that. So I had, I had a stint with that, but I was, I was sharing with her that I had assumed I had overgeneralized when I first got the call and they said, here's this opportunity and everything they told me about, I was like, yes, I'm your girl. It's my job. This is for me. This I'm what they need. But when they told me the company, I was like, okay, this was my experience with them in the past. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's it's just not going to happen. So I myself leveraged or used or, um, was subject to that distortion that had God not allowed me to uh, have that conversation with the hiring manager, I wouldn't even know my mistake. I just would have been like, uh, look, you know, I only want to fool with them. They didn't want me in the past. I know they're not going to want me in the future. But that, that contract actually got pulled because they were backfilling a position um, you know, for somebody who was, who was leaving the company. But anyway, the contract got pulled, but it was a great experience for me because I was able to, to get that information. All right. The last one is labeling. The last cognitive distortion is labeling. And that's when we label ourselves based on our behavior and specific situations. We define ourselves 
by one specific behavior, usually a negative behavior, and we fail to consider other positive characteristics and actions. And this one is a key tool that the enemy uses in drama is all of this labeling, all of this labeling. You know, who was I listening to yesterday? Somebody was was talking about their ADHD and and something. I think maybe that was my husband uh, talking about his ADHD and the way that his mind works when he gets into a creative space. Yeah, it was my husband. But it left me thinking that sometimes when we use these labels, it has the negative connotations behind them. You know, like, like the one that I cannot stand is that bipolar. When people label folk as bipolar, it's almost like emotion shaming, right? Like I said earlier, with my family, we, we're we not the type that, you know, we share our emotions all the time, you know, because it's like, hey, you know, never let them see you sweat. Y'all ain't got to know that y'all affected me when you intentionally tried to affect me, you know, but that is drama fueling, okay? When we have all of these labels and oh you bipolar because one minute you nice the next minute you going off well baby what did you do (laughs) what did you do do to make that person nice for one minute and the next minute you know go off on you take some accountability and responsibility for your actions but these are all things that like I said uh uh These are all things that um, cause and create drama if we're not careful enough to be able to identify those things while they're going on and to use different techniques to help us to build up our emotional maturity, right? So that we can leverage these distortions in a more productive way. And the key is, the objective of the game is to eliminate the drama. Remember, Mary J. Blige, we don't want no more drama. No more drama in our lives. No more drama. All right? So when you are filtering through these things, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stop. I want you to stop. And stop is an acronym. And I'm going to tell you what each of these steps mean. So I want you to first stop. When you have a thought that comes through your mind that is a negative, toxic thought that will drive you towards drama. Remember the Urban Dictionary of what that drama is? When it will drive you towards drama, just stop. Seriously, just stop. You ain't going to lose nothing. You will gain a lot, but you ain't going to lose nothing if you just stop. Take a deep breath. All the time. Just suck it in and let it out. Observe what is really going on. Identify what am I thinking about because, again, it ain't your responsibility to control your thoughts. It's only your responsibility to manage them. What is it that you're actually reacting to? And observe what are you feeling in your body. Now, I've I've been talking about this, that gut health. Sometimes y'all, when y'all be getting all upset and be in the midst of drama, 
They be messing with your gut. And then next thing you know, you have all these gut issues and, you know, your, your uh, what is it, serotonin be off and all of that. You be all cranky and then you thinking you depressed because you're feeling down. Just observe what, what's really going on, all right? And then get some perspective. Consider what is the bigger picture? What is the bigger picture? How would somebody else see this situation? I said the other day, y'all need to get y'all a friend that ain't bothered about nothing. (laughs) Ain't bothered about nothing. And run it by them. And see, how how would somebody else feel about this very thing? All right? And then determine what cognitive distortion can you identify is going on in your mind? What kind are you, you know, are you uh, thinking about this in the black and white? Are you jumping to conclusion? Are you catastrophizing? Are you overgeneralizing? What type of cognitive disorder is going, I mean, distortion is going on here? And then identify the facts. What's, what's actually true? Okay, you can't tell me that when you jump into a conclusion, you got facts in there. You got truth. Now, I told you, I believe some of us, you know, the conclusion we're going to jump to is is right. But (laughs) but solidify that with the facts. Get the facts in order. You can't tell me how somebody else feel about you if you ain't never asked them. Sometimes people I look. I got this thing, I, you know, God gave me the best of both of my parents, and I had the most beautiful parents you'd ever see. Mama is, my mama is gorgeous. My daddy is handsome. I'm telling you, but the face they created with me, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I look like I got the worst attitude. I'm telling you, a lot of times I don't. Especially when I ain't got no makeup on. People be like, you okay? You all right? No, I'm good. I just didn't put no makeup on today. And people assume that I'm upset or I'm, uh, you know, mad about something or got some kind of opinion about them. And it's like, no, I'm probably mainly thinking, you know, because that's what I do. But anyway... Ooh, excuse me. Identify the facts, you know, and what is actually true instead of assuming that you know. You may come to the same conclusion, but just walk through the exercise. It'll eliminate drama, trust me. And then from there, practice what works. Practice what works. Take action. What is the best next step? What is the best next step for this situation? What is the best next step, not just for you, but for others, everybody involved? Look at the bigger picture. What is the best next step? That's how you will eliminate drama. You have to learn how to start policing your thoughts. And I'm going to give you these uh, six steps that I want you to do. And I want you to write this out on a piece of paper. Start to police your thoughts. This will eliminate drama. Now, listen, this this topic is more important than just, you know, we're going to talk about it and and um, and have better friendships or better relationships. No, this is this can impact your physical health. 
because you got all this drama in your life, all this mess clogging everything up, and next thing you know, you you sick. All right, so policing your thoughts. This is what I want you to do over the next few days so that you can help yourself to eliminate the drama that is in your life. I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to start recording your thoughts and make a record of, of, of what's going on, all right? I want you to first identify the situation. So write it down, number one. Identify the situation. What happened? It's in your own words. What happened? What happened? And then number two, I want you to determine what is your emotion? What emotion are you having? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you mad? You know, what emotion are you? Are you apathetic? Are you, you know, neutral? What emotion are you having at that time? And I want you to rate it from zero to a (laughs) hundred. Some of y'all go from zero to a hundred real quick. Cut that mess out. Messing up your heart. You're going to wind up having a heart attack. Cut it out. It ain't that deep. Number three, what were the physical sensations? You got to be careful with that. Now, I just turned 45 um, at the end of last year. At the end of last year. I don't want to be walking around here, you know, with 20 years of stress on my heart, 20 years of stress on my gut, you know, and then I'm walking around here a complete mess. That's why over the next uh, month, I'm going, they're going to check out everything on me. Because <laughs> I intend on being here. I want to see Alex and Zayim and Kaylin and little Elise. I want to see their babies, you know. So I plan on being here for a while. So the number three step is uh, what were the physical sensations? Take, take that into consideration. Did you have a headache? Did your chest tighten up? Did your stomach get tight and sour? What was it? Write it down. Number four, what did you think about and what did you focus on? What were you thinking about? What were you focusing on? All right? And then number uh, five, what is a more useful perspective? That's when you think about what would other people think? You know, if I wasn't right in the middle of this situation, what would I think? And then take an uh, empathetic perspective for the person that is involved in it. Now, if I was that individual that got on my nerves, if I was right in the middle of their thought process, how would I want somebody to treat me? You know how many times, how many times I misjudged a situation and acted and came back, you know, with egg on my face and and embarrassed and and feeling a certain way and wanting people to have compassion for me. Wanting people to give me the benefit of the doubt. Wanting people to understand I'm only human, I didn't mean it. You know, think, think like that. Think like that. What's a more useful perspective? How can you look at that situation from a different purview? And what's more useful for the benefit of how it will enhance your life and others around you? And number six, how will you prevent this from happening again? 
It's all about maturity, all about eliminating drama. It's all about moving from one state to another. I believe that 2020 is, is, it has the potential of being the greatest year of your life. The greatest year of your life. And that means that 2021 can be the, the next greatest year. 2022, as we grow and as we go from glory to glory. But we got to put works with our faith. And we got to do the work. We got to do the work. So these are some ways that you can eliminate drama in your life. These are some ways that you can most definitely eliminate drama, all right? As as men and women of God, we absolutely want to avoid and eliminate drama, you know, all around us, all right? So I want you guys to consider that, and I'm going to come back with more information for you. All right, so look, we need to eliminate drama. We got to eliminate drama. So the first thing is stop all that gossiping. Stop gossiping. If you're talking about somebody outside of their presence in a negative way, in a negative way, especially if it's a way that you don't want people talking about you, just cut it out. Cut it out. It is not of God. It is not of God. I get so frustrated. And see, the thing about me, I always know when folk talking crap. <laughs> I always know. I always know because they they start to act different, you know, fidgety around you. And, you know, and, 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 and you have the same conversation you had with them, you know, and, and, and their, their demeanor just completely changes, you know, and how they act. Because you, you, you've been running your mouth. You've been gossiping. Just cut it out. Have an honest, transparent, true conversation, a vulnerable, ego-free conversation about what's on your mind. Okay? All right? Stop all of that negative thought. Stop the negative uh, talk, especially about the church and about family. What, What... The next negative thing that you have to say about your church home or your family, ask yourself, what am I doing to contribute to that situation negatively or positively? What am, how am I being a solution to the problem? How am I being a solution to the issues that I see? Okay? Ask yourself that because, look, if you can talk about it, you ought to be able to put some action behind fixing it. All right? So so stop. Stop it. It's, it's going to be drama everywhere you go if you don't learn how to self-contain your own behaviors, your own self. So it starts with you first. It starts with you first. When you are faced with drama... When you are faced with drama, and we already defined what that is. When you're faced with drama, this is what I need you to do. 
I want you to pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. And and listen, I I just 2020, I ain't got time for a lot of stuff. I'm I'm sick of all of this praying to the universe, praying to to the source, praying to no baby, you better pray to Jesus if you want some power. You better pray to Jesus. I'm sick of all of this white man Jesus and white man Christianity. I can just tell you what I know to know. <laughs> I What I know to work. And that is prayer. If you pray for wisdom, allow God to give you the wisdom that you need. The word of God in James 1 and 5 says, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Just ask for wisdom. Sometimes, you know, man will get tired and weary of of explaining stuff to us. If we ask, they'll get an attitude. This morning I was, my husband was explaining something to me. And he he know I'm simple-minded. He should be used to it. We've been together almost... 30 years and he was trying to explain something to me I wasn't getting it <laughs> it was funny because I wasn't getting it and so finally this guy told me he said just download the the uh the app on your laptop and I'll just show you later you know he was he was frustrated but it was funny we had a a, a good little chuckle of well me more than him <laughs> over it you know, but you ask God for wisdom. He going to give it to you and he ain't going to rebuke you for it. So when you are faced with drama, I want you to pray for wisdom. Or anytime you have a dilemma, anytime you're dealing with a different personality, you know, sometimes we just can't get along with folk that ain't just like us. And if they were just like us, believe you me. We won't get along with them either because we don't, some of us don't even like ourselves. But you must petition God and prayer before anything else. Before you do anything else, let that be your first step. Even before you go to a friend, a family member, because sometimes, listen, y'all keep pulling other people in y'all mess. Keep pulling family members. Keep pulling friends. The thing that... that annoys me so much is that we go and we share our situation now use wisdom in in this listen hear what i'm saying and holy spirit help me to say it the right way but there are people in our lives who are you know wise and mature that we you know sometimes we go to them and we share you know out of the spirit of you know, they have more wisdom, they have more understanding and knowledge, and they can help us navigate our way to a solution. Those are not the ones that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, your life coach like me or or, or your mentor or, you know, your older sister or brother or, you know, someone that, that is an elder that you can go to and run some stuff by. That's not what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When y'all get deep in the gutter, and be gossiping and talking about folks. Don't do that. Go to God first. Go to God first. You can find solace in the privacy of your conversation with God. Because with God, you can tell him all of it. You can tell him everything. And before you take any action, 
Take it to God. Take, to, take it to God because he'll give you the wisdom. He know all of us. He knows us inside out. And sometimes we could be thinking one thing. We don't know if a person come at us left. We don't know why they coming from that direction. But God knows. So take it to him. The next thing you can do is take it, take it to an elder, take it to a leader, take it to somebody. Now you done prayed about it. God has given you some instruction. You're, you're waiting for the wisdom or God has given you wisdom, but you still feel some type of contention. Something is just ain't, it just ain't right. God has given people wisdom that we don't have. So take it, talk to them. You know, whether it be your pastor, your parent, you know, your good friend, but do it in the right spirit. In Hebrews 13 and 17, the the Bible says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Talk to them. Talk to them because when you have your leaders, when you have the shepherds of the flock, the pastors, they need to know about what dissension, what what issues are going on. You can't just ignore the drama. You just can't ignore the drama. With even with my children, you know, I don't I don't like to get in the middle of issues, but I like to coach you through it. One of my sisters, she makes a very conscious decision, very conscious. She's very deliberate about this with her kids. And she'll tell them, I'm not getting in the middle of y'all mess. So don't come talking to me about this one or that one. She won't even allow them to talk negatively about each other to her. But she will coach them through the situations that they're going through. And that's, that's what our leaders, our natural leaders, whatever capacity that they have in your life, that's who you bring it to. Because if you just ignore it and you don't have the tools or the capability to handle it, it can be worse. <laughs> in Galatians 5, 15 through 16, 15 through 16, it says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Beware. Y'all keep backbiting and and arguing and being petty and getting into this drama. Y'all destroying each other. The enemy, I mean, look, he can take take some days off because y'all doing the work for him. Y'all doing the work for him. The next thing I want you to do is pray for the health and reconciliation of the relationship. I teach on conflict. I I used to do a, a, um, a teaching on conflict where I share with my students that there's no such thing as conflict resolution. No such thing as conflict resolution. You can only manage conflict. Because when you resolve a thing, it becomes it becomes a win for one and a loss for another. 
When you manage a thing, it becomes a win-win because you're looking at what is the best solution for the issue at hand. So pray for the health of the relationship. Now, there are some relationships that you all are going to have that you just need to cut off. Some snakes, some evil folks, some unrepentant hearts. Just, just cut it on off. Stop wasting your time. And, and pick up the book, um, Necessary Endings, if y'all need some help in that area. But there are others that you need to mature, cultivate. You need to, to, to grow and, 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 and um, expand those relationships. Those are the ones that I'm telling you to pray about. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continuously ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Can you imagine? If you pray for those that you are dealing with and engaging with drama, your drama partners, your cohorts in drama, if you pray this prayer for them, Colossians, standing on the word, Colossians 1, 9 through 10, your drama will be eliminated. The prophet Ezekiel spoke the words from the Lord that uh, takes us right to the simple foundation of faith and the word of God says it had been planted in good soil by abundant water so that it would produce branches bear fruit and become a splendid vine our homes our church need to needs good soil so that we can fulfill our purpose and bear good fruit It ain't good enough to just have good relationships in the church. You got to have good relationships in your household, good relationships in your family. I am really determined to help us to understand our burdens are nobody else's responsibility but ours. The dysfunction that we deal with every day, the toxicity that we deal with every day, the issues, the trials, the tribulations, that ain't everybody's business, that ain't everybody's focus. We got to fix it. We have to fix it. I can't remember which one of my children I was talking to, but I was saying if, if all things the same, if we were living according to the real, the will of God and families represented the true institution that God created us to be, Every human being would have an accountability partner, somebody who is accountable, accountable for their soul salvation, their life enhancement, the the, the um, prosperity of their lives. And the order that it should go in is the parents cover the children. The, let's, let's even go further. As Christ covers the household and as Christ covers the husband, the husband covers the 
wife, the wife covers the children, the children cover one another and they cover their children. And so every sibling, we, we just started having grandbabies in the family. And so the responsibility, it may not be my child, but I still have a responsibility in that child's life for the rest of their lives. My role is to ensure the enhancement of their living so that they can be the best them that they can be. That's my responsibility. But we so dysfunctional in this world, we don't get there. We don't get there. So we got to pray. Pray for the health of the family. Reconciliation of the church. (laughs) The other thing is let peace be with us. The word of God says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. A lot of us calling ourselves the children of God and we just hell raisers. Rebel rousers. My uncle used to call me, um, what was it? Rebel without a cause. And that, that, that did something to me. It used to hurt my feelings when he said, because it, to me it was so demeaning, you know, and it was, it, it, it just really took away from uh, some of the abuse and things that I had suffered through. But anyway, he used to call me that, but we, we got a lot of rebels out there. It's in our nature. We, we, we come straight from the grand rebel, Adam and Eve, you know. But we don't have to be that way as we're born again. So let peace be with us. Pray for peace. Pursue the path of peace. And the only way you're going to be able to do that if you let that flesh die daily. Eliminate that ego. Eliminate that ego. Some of us hold on to it for dear life, not knowing that once you let it go, you're going to have much more peace and less drama in your life. I guarantee you. Because Jesus gave us peace. He gave us peace. And he longs for us to live peaceably one with another. It's possible for us to live in peace even if we have different personalities, different opinions, political beliefs, religious beliefs, attitudes, come from a different culture, come from a different background, it is possible for us to to live in peace. Number one, you got to respect another person's right to be all of who they are. You got to understand who you are. And value yourself as an individual. Once we get to the point, and I'm telling you, this might help you. But when we get to the point to understand that people, people, humans, can only be the best of who they are or the worst of who they are at any given moment. It's impossible for them to be better than they are. It's impossible for them to be worse than they are. We just are who we are. And as we continue to pursue uh, uh, better, we'll do better. When we know better, we'll do better. But until then, we're going to be who we are. Now, that's good in theory to know and understand. But 
practicing that thing. Sometimes, you know, you, you might get annoyed, but, but really, we got to understand. We really got to understand this thing. All right? So Paul encourages us as well to strive for peace. The word of God in Romans 12 and 18, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Pursue the path of peace. Allow the Holy Spirit to inspire you to pursue peace. You And, and let me tell you the truth. You will not. You will not. Have peace without the Spirit of God. It's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. You're not going to have peace without the Holy Spirit. You can't even love without the Spirit of God because God is love. God is love. So, (laughs) go back. Go back if you need to. Pursue the path of peace. And the other thing is no how to and when to mind your own business. Mind your own business. Stay in your lane. That'll keep you out of a whole lot of drama. Thessalonians 4 and 11 says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Stop getting all up into other people's business. Stop being the gossip. Stop being the one that know everything about everything. Mind your business. Mind your business. Next thing, when in doubt, resist repeating. Keep your mouth closed. Stop repeating stuff. Stop saying it over and over and over again. It can be hurtful. Step back. Take a few minutes. Listen to God. Hear from Him. Stop repeating. Proverbs 26 and 20, this is the one I was thinking about earlier. It says, fire goes out without wood and quarrels quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Now, is that not clear? Stop the gossip. Stop repeating stuff that's hurtful and realize that we are all humans. We're humans. We have feelings. We have feelings. How would you feel if you knew somebody was talking about you behind your back? When you're on the other side of it, it may let off some of those endorphins. It might make you feel good to laugh about somebody. But how would you feel if you were in that position and somebody was saying the same thing about you? Come on, we're in 2020. 2020. The other thing I want you to do is to only speak words that benefit others. Stop gossiping. Stop being negative. Stop always talking all this negative talk. Start speaking beneficial words to others. God has anointed us with the ability to love. 
to love, to encourage, to be an exhorter of his people. Stop always speaking negatively. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. but only for what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. In order for you to know what they need, you got to be in relationship and communication with them. Stop talking negative. You know, they used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. I'll go one step further. If you can't say something nice, find something nice to say. You got to find you some quotes on the internet and just put them in your little arsenal. And when you feel like you got something negative to say, replace it with something positive. Say something nice. Get all of those hurtful words out of your mouth. All of them word curses you be speaking over people. Words will tear you down. The power of life and death is in the power of your tongue. How many people done been tore down because of people's words? I'm telling you, you can change your environment. Start speaking life. Start speaking positively. The next thing I want you to do is demonstrate kindness. Be kind. Kindness is a commodity. Kindness is is the greatest uh, wealth tool that you have. Nobody want to be around nobody that's mean and cantankerous and negative and always got something to say. Negative. Be kind. Ephesians 4 and 32 admonishes us. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be kind. That goes out a whole lot of drama. Forgive people. Stop harboring anger and, and, and stuff against folks. Pray for them. The next thing, walk away from negative conversations. And I know it's tempting because everybody want to sip the tea. Everybody wants some tea. I don't even like tea. I can't stand tea. Even as a kid, I, I just never liked tea or avocados. Disgusting. Stop trying to get in on the gossip and the negativity. Walk away from it. Proverbs 18 and 21 says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Shut up sometime. Stop talking so much. Sometimes we just go on and on and on and we just talk and talk and talk. And and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. When you're doing all that negative talking, the Holy Spirit is not 
prevailing in your life. The Holy Spirit, that you're not being led when you're doing all of that. And finally, set an example of a drama-free life. A lot of times I, you know, I feel guilty and I'm, I'm just being transparent for the example that I showed my children growing up because there was a lot of drama in my house, a lot of drama. I remember when we were growing up, my parents would wait to midnight <laughs> had a little, you know, arguments or whatever, you know, and try to keep it away from us as much as they could, you know, even though certain things would happen, you know, in our presence. But for the most part, we knew that it was a conscientious effort for them, you know, to have discussions away from us. Boy, did I drop the ball on that with my kids. <laughs> but I try to show them, you know, now a life of peace and a life, of, you know, of drama, uh, not filled with drama, drama free, you know. But unfortunately, some of them probably got some PTSD from half the stuff they watched. And Lord, forgive me. I asked for their forgiveness too. did the best I could with what I had at that time. <laughs> But set an example. Set an example for a drama-free life. It starts with you. Stop stop engaging in all of that drama. Matthew 5 and 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's be the example. Let's be the solution to the problem to the problems that we see. Our goal is to take care of and to help others. We must help others. We must take care of God left us here as kingdom citizens. We there there are there's drama that is created all throughout this land. Homelessness, hunger, you know, widows without uh, uh, provision. There was a lady the other day who, uh, she had lost her home because she couldn't afford to pay her bills because her medical bills had gotten so high. She's a widow, she's an elderly woman. And, and got kicked out of her home. And I want to say they said she was she was living maybe in a, uh, oh no, that it was another one that was living in her, her car. But this one, she was in a uh, hotel and she would go to the library during the day. And so the people rallied around her to, you know, pay up enough so that she can live in a hotel for a month or so until she could get into an apartment. But that's the kind of drama that we need to be engaged in and bringing forth solutions. Bringing forth solutions, especially as Christians, those who serve God, walking out and demonstrating the gospel in the flesh. We have to get rid of this drama. 
I'm telling you, it's worth the effort. It's worth the time. Get drama out of your life, out of your house. Not think about my grandbabies. You know, I would, I would be heartbroken. Heartbroken. If they had to relive some of the experiences from my past. From my childhood, from my adulthood, from my children's childhood. Uh-uh, we gotta, we gotta cancel that out. Let it not go forward to another generation. Eliminate the drama. All right? So again, I hope you all enjoyed this. Oh, I wanted to go over just real quick uh, those steps. I told you all I'm doing that 21-day brain detox. And let me just share with you, let me pull this document up real quick. Just the steps. And and if you want to learn more about it, look up uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf uh, and look up uh, 21-day brain detox. All you got to do is Google it and uh, and the information will be there. Uh, I had something I just sent to my babies. Uh, Okay, that's what it is. All my stuff is just jumbled up hmm okay this all this licensing stuff man I don't think I'm gonna be able to get to it oh I know what I did alright sorry about that I put it in an actual folder all right, so the brain detox, let's see, it's, it's five steps. It's five steps. So uh, the first step, and this is something that you will do daily. It's something that you will do daily. You'll start your day out by giving uh, thanksgiving, praise, and worship to God. And, and maybe take about two to three minutes to do that. And then each of these activities will take up to three minutes for you to do. But the goal is to identify those toxic thoughts, to identify those toxic thoughts and replace those thoughts with um, healthy and and, and more positive thoughts. And and the premise is that the brain is uh, malleable. Right. That means that it's it's it's, it's plastic. It's, it can be changed. Right. Based on what you put in is what you're going to get out. So let me just go through this real quick. All right. So the first step is to gather. All right. So the gather step is all about becoming aware of all of the thoughts coming into your mind and beginning to understand the internal environment of your mind and how it affects your emotional and physical being. All right? So during the first step, you will take one to two minutes to just be still, to reflect and see what bubbles to the surface of your mind. And after gathering these thoughts, bring a toxic thought into the forefront and begin thinking of a replacement. So that's the first step. You're just going to be gathering your thoughts. Just gather them. 
and just think through and 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 uh she says that you'll have about four to seven thoughts that'll come to your mind and at one or two minutes okay and then the second step is focus reflections so that's uh during this step you will begin to integrate the new healthy replacement thought in place of the toxic one don't dwell on the negative only that only feeds it hold on don't dwell on the negative that only feeds it focus on what you are replacing the toxic thought with for one or two minutes so the first step you gathered your thoughts all of these thoughts coming up let the toxic thought bubble up to the to the forefront and then now you want to have a focused reflection what can you replace this toxic thought with and then step number three take another one to two minutes and begin writing down. Writing down, drawing, making images, words, scriptures, or quotes that nurture the positive reflection. Find a creative way to do this that works for you and activates your mind to really focus on the replacement thought that you're building. Just write it down. Let it all just purge out, just flow and let those thoughts just bubble up. Number four, revisit. So during this time, you begin to make this new thought stick by planning the solution to replace the toxic thought throughout your day. For example, an example of what would be planning to look in the mirror and to say a short phrase or gently tapping your heart three times while thinking of your replacement. The sky is the limit for your daily plan. Whatever you choose to do, it should only take about five to 10 seconds to do at most. In other words, you're planning, how am I gonna deal with this toxic thought? What am I gonna do? Plan it out. Step number five is the active reach step. So this is similar to if you're going in and you're exercising and you're doing anything to build up those muscles, right? And with the brain being malleable, we're building up that muscle. So we're going to do some active reach exercises. All right. So the purpose of the active reach is to begin activating your plan from the previous step seven steps. from the previous steps seven different times throughout the day. So remember what you feed lives and what you starve dies. So every time you practice your plan, you are feeding the new thought and simultaneously starving the toxic one. So you can set your alarm for every two to three hours and then put your plan into motion. So. Seven times in a day, you want to do your active reaches. So in a more practical way, as I started out this exercise and I was going through the gathering and I was just allowing myself to sit with the Holy Spirit and just meditate on my thoughts and just being silent and to myself. And I I would do it in the morning, probably about five to six o'clock in the morning. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking and all of these thoughts start coming up. And it's funny because... 
I didn't have a lot of positive thoughts. <laughs> I, don't, I probably have one good positive thought, but the other ones were just a lot of negative, toxic thoughts that were going through my mind just based on a situation I had faced uh, that I was facing during this time when I first started the fasting. So I started actually just journaling and writing those things down because I have a poor short-term memory and I wanted to just really capture what these thoughts were. And during the reflection phase, the Holy Spirit just began to start speaking to me all of these things of encouragement. God is not giving you a spirit of fear because what I when I developed a theme for all of these details that were coming in my mind, what I resolved to is I'm just a worry wart. <laughs> it's just a bunch of worrying, you know, around my children, around my marriage, around my business, around my finances, you know. So all of these scriptures just started flooding my my mind. God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you, thoughts of good and not evil to give you an expected end. And, and God is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the su- source of your supply and it's impossible to please him without faith. And I mean, all of this stuff was just flooding through my head and, and I during the focus reflection phase. And so I started writing those things down. And then when I got to uh, the writing out phase, then I, I took the time to go to the actual scriptures and I started just writing things out, writing them out. And when I went back to revisit and to make my plan for how I was going to, how I was going to um, approach my active reach exercises, then I started taking those scriptures and saying, okay, when these thoughts come into my mind, I'm going to apply this scripture. When these thoughts come into my mind, I'm going to apply these scriptures. And one of the good things about Dr. Leaf is that she has um, logs that you can print off. And so you can write all of this. But um, we had done a, a women's retreat last year for the family, and my sister brought us all these journals. So I was able to use my journal to create the log. And so throughout the day, that act of reach, when those thoughts would come into my mind, I would just apply, just quickly apply those words of God. And I would do be very deliberate with that. One of the things that I didn't do that I plan on doing is setting my alarm so that I make sure that seven times a day that I'm actually doing this. Because the whole key is that you want to eliminate these toxic thoughts and you want to generate new healthy thoughts on top of that. And the key is when you get through the first 21 days, you're going to see some improvement, but you may have to do the cycle two or three more times to completely eliminate those thoughts. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And it also instructs us that there is power in the word of God. And sometimes when we, as, as human beings, You know, we see ourselves in this whole human experience, not understanding that we are, in essence, spiritual beings. We need the word of God to feed us. And and just like I said earlier, what you feed will live, what you starve will die. And a lot of times we we are starving ourselves by not leveraging the true manna, the true bread of life, the true nourishment that we need, which is the word of God. And we can apply those things to our situation. So we have to learn how to replace 
these toxic thoughts with the word of God, which is ultimately going to steer us away from all of this drama and we'll have a much more productive life. We'll have uh, better relationships. We'll have greater health. Uh, you know, we'll our lives will be more fulfilled if we learn how to eliminate this toxic, toxic drama. All right, so that concludes our moments with Moa today. I pray that it was a blessing to you all and that you receive something for it. I will be praying for you, amen. Everybody under the sound of my voice that if you are struggling with drama, that God will give you the tools that you need and you'll be able to leverage what I supplied for you today in a tangible, practical way to bring forth results. Amen. All right. If you need prayer, don't hesitate to reach out. That's what I'm here for. I love you all. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye.